One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. We all know life's a wreck, and so is the language in this episode. So, viewer discretion is advised. Buddy, you're so dust, my allergies are flaring up. Next shift is going to be sponsored by the Claritin your mom keeps in the bedside table Al, for the me. the only thing Claritin clear is the water your mom brings me post-game. Buddy, post-game, tell your mom to keep the Grand Caravan warm. I just got to sign a few jerseys, kiss a couple babies, answer a few interview questions. Pal, only questions you're answering are from the police after they find you ass up in a ditch surrounded by empty mics hard. You'd know all about mics hard, wouldn't you? You'd know all about hard mics. Buddy, only mic I'm into is the mic I use to make my podcast. Pal, you have a podcast? Buddy, does a slam cupboard wake your mom in the middle of the night? I already know the answer to that one. Pal, my life's a bit of a wreck. What's it about? Buddy, just you wait. What's going on, guys? And welcome back to Life's a Wreck. So here's a podcast. Today on the podcast, I've got two of the best young creators that I know. Uh, these guys are absolutely incredible. First off, I'm going to introduce Thomas Colford. Thomas was born, he's a fellow maritimer, born in the island of Cape Breton in Nova Scotia, where he began his artistic pursuits. At the age of 16, he moved to Toronto, where he began his professional career. Uh, some of the credits that he's got under his belt include a leading role in season two of Backstage, Mr. D, The Strain, and dancing from, you know, some small kind of like indie artists like Shawn Mendes, uh, Imagine Dragons, and... Um, Oh, yeah, right, Janet Jackson. Uh, he also continues to grow his passion for creation as a director, writer, and choreographer. You can find him on YouTube, where he produces, directs, and performs in his own content under Cotton Candy Club, his channel that emphasizes collaboration amongst emerging Toronto creatives. Thomas, honestly, has shown uh, just such a absolute joy for creative work, all while remembering his mantra, made with purpose. Thomas, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Kyle. And the second creative who's going to be joining us today is Jamie Bloch. Born in Toronto to a South African Jewish family, Jamie discovered her passion for performing at the tender age of six. Starting on stage, she appeared in a number of theater productions before it became clear that film and television was where she really needed to be. And her love for acting blossomed into a lengthy resume of television and film credits 14 years in the making. Now Jamie can be seen as Yale Baron on all four seasons of the Canadian cult classic Degrassi Next Class as Katie in the upcoming horror movie Queen of Spades. Jamie's on-screen versatility follows her through to the critically acclaimed feature film The History of Love, which joins some of her previous credits 
plays that include Winging It, Floating with 40, The Killing Game, The Echo, Servitude, Warehouse. You've been busy, eh? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Warehouse 13 and the animated TV shows Caillou and Mr. Moon. Alongside acting, Jamie's passion extends to filmmaking and content creation as well as her short film Reflection, which has garnered 79,000 views on YouTube alongside three festival accolades across North America. You can also find her collaborating with international brands such as Winners, Bell, Value Village on her Instagram, where she avidly shares lifestyle and fashion content with her 49,000 followers. Guys, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to sit down with me today. <laughs> thank you for having us. Can you like follow me into every room with that sort of like introduction? Honestly, I will tell everyone I know you're on Caillou. I cannot get over when, that. It was so oh funny. Oh my gosh. When you first sent that over, yeah. I was like reading it through. I was like, okay, I knew about a grand. Yeah, Caillou. I was yeah, so yeah. I, I was so hyped about Caillou. I'm yeah, not gonna lie. That's probably like my crowning credit. I mm -hmm. played like a little diabetic girl. Oh. I even got my own book too. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. It was so funny. I had like three episodes maybe, but it's like the highlight of my career. So wow. thank you for Amazing. noticing. Yeah, that's <laughs> super <laughs> cool. I know. I don't know why I fangirled so much about Caillou. Yeah, he called his adult male friends, which is. It's just like there's something about like those things, uh, those like your things childhood, you from the childhood. yeah. Exactly. And it's so funny because I'm in like a children's programming class, and mm -hmm. it came up in conversation with my professor, and she was like, "Oh, Caillou, yeah, I fucking hate that show." No. <laughs> it's like, yikes! Okay, not an A for me this time. So I'm just like, I'm gonna scratch that <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah, it's like one. pretend I didn't did I I, I actually say said that. Bayou. I'm <laughs> in a show called Bayou. Yeah, so, so uh, it's about yeah. the deep south. Uh, <laughs> it's Gator wrestling. <laughs> So, uh, and yeah, you, uh, you've been on Degrassi as well. So you've kind yeah. of been in a couple of big, like kind of Canadian classics yeah. in a sense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, Degrassi was definitely like the crowning moment mm -hmm. really, um, as a young Canadian actor, I think that's kind of all you really work towards. Absolutely, I auditioned for, sure. for the show three times before I, wow. I made it. So mm -hmm. that was definitely a real highlight for me, but mm -hmm. it was a super cool experience and it's kind of catapulted me to where I am today and 100%. given me this platform and whatnot. So yeah, definitely a highlight over the past 14 years. For sure. For sure. And I mean, speaking of like the 14 years, you guys yeah. both started your careers at an age that's like precarious in itself yeah. you know just kind of going through life and experiencing that and then to add kind of this uh you know this pressure of creative work on there how do you guys think that joining the industry at such a young age kind of shaped your mental health as you guys have progressed up through it's a great question yeah. um it's something i actually think about a lot um i feel like since i've started university i've I've really come into my own mm -hmm. um, in terms of identity outside of my career. I think that was a huge problem for me growing up was right. like all of my success was associated with the fact that I was an actor and anything that wasn't related, no matter how good it was, it wasn't enough. Um, Relatable. Content. Yeah. I mean, like I was <laughs> I was like six years old when I started, like fresh out the womb. Yeah. Um, I was really little and my parents really had no idea what they were getting into. It's not like I come from a performing family. Mm -hmm. They just graciously let their six year old become an actor when she was like, I was like, I, um, yeah, I want to pursue my passion as an actress. And they were like, um, <laughs> sure. Like, I, finish your cheers. <laughs> yeah, and we'll they're, talk, <laughs> they're like, you're in the first grade, but OK, we will put you on a national platform. That's fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think growing too. up in this industry industry it's an adult industry mm -hmm. and that definitely affects you on on a certain level for sure yeah i mean for me and like this is kind of stuff i'm just the past year really like unpacked but like i moved here when i was 16 and i was like doing stuff in like the industry at home but like the industry there is not comparable in the least yeah, Cape uh, Brandon and Toronto a little bit a uh, little bit different, little bit different. <laughs> not, yeah. no no knock of the the work being done there the quality right. of the work but in terms 100%. of industry it's yeah. not it's not comparable they're very different machines and uh 
so like I moved here when I was 16. I didn't know anybody. And what I kind of have started to realize in the last year, year and a half is how much, um, how much I had to do to kind of feel safe. And a lot of that had to do yeah. with like, uh, fitting in and feeling like I had to hold back parts of myself and feeling like, um, I had to kind of fit people's idea of what an emerging, uh, artist is supposed to be, or like what, um, expectations there are on the people that like, if you really want it, then you'd be doing this. Right. There's like a lot of pressure on like what you should be doing or what you need yeah. to do to prove to people. And not a lot of, um, not a lot that's inspired by like, what do you want and what mm-hmm. inspires you and what makes you feel safe and what makes you feel, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just like inspired and excited to be working. And I, I think in my mind, I always justified it as like, well, I'm still being myself. I might be like holding back parts. I might be emphasizing parts, but I'm not pretending to be someone I'm not. Right. But, you know, as I get older, I'm like, yeah, like I really needed to do that just to feel safe in another city, let alone safe in an industry where I'm yeah. usually the youngest person in the room. And Amen. <laughs> yeah, surrounded by people that I want to. Yeah impress some people that are you know they they have a lot of influence on if i'm moving towards the things that i think about every second of the day or not mm-hmm. like that's a lot of pressure for anybody um yeah and it's a very vulnerable position to be in um yeah yeah so I, i'm I'm glad i kind of made it through that without making any like major fuck-ups but mm-hmm. um I think a yeah. big part of that also is, is this narrative um, constantly throughout the industry that you're never doing enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is something that I have recently had to come to terms with myself, especially now that I started university mm-hmm. and my career did slow down a bit once Degrassi finished. Um, and so I was thrown back into this audition pool that I was not prepared to be in yet and suddenly you know I had all these voices being like well now it's time to get back into your (laughs) tip-top shape and like you should be doing this every day and you should be going to these classes and Mm. it's like whoa like I'm also just trying to be a human being and have relationships and you know be healthy and Mm -hmm. take care of my mind and my body and I think this also comes I was kind of speaking to you about this a little bit when I pitched this idea of Mm -hmm. coming on the podcast but this narrative too of like you have to suffer for your art, right. which yeah, I hate. Yeah. And I think it's <laughs> such it's such an outdated cliche. And I yeah. think it it puts artists in this box of like if there you have to go through destruction in order to be creative. Mm-hmm. And it's just so unhealthy. Yeah. And I think I grew up with that mentality. Not not so much of like you have to struggle, but yeah. you you have to fight sacrifice for what you want. And, even yeah, yeah, and sacrifice. Yeah. Like I remember. It's also just these feelings of not ever being enough. And that's really hard, especially as a girl growing up. Like, I grew up in this industry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I went through elementary school and high school being the actor constantly and Mm -hmm. and being, you know, front and center. And, like, I remember being 12 years old and already thinking, like, I better lose weight. Oh, yeah. And, like, that's fucked up. It's terrible, yeah. Like, you're 12 mm -hmm. years old. You don't need to be thinking that. Even in high school, I remember going on these, like, crazy diets and hiring personal trainers and going to the gym at 5 a.m. to prepare Mm -hmm. for roles and it's like my body's still growing and developing and and more so what does that do to your mind kind Mm -hmm. of thing and i'm sure guys go through that too yeah i mean like i remember being also i think it was 11 or 12 somewhere in that just yeah yeah And that beautiful uh, time. <laughs> and like people always come up to me and they're like, yeah, like growing up in like, you know, you, you dance growing up, like that must be such a hard environment for your body. And honestly, like I found a lot of support 
in the dance community that I was part of anyway to mm-hmm. just kind of embrace who you are. But like I had an acting teacher who came up to me and was like, Hey, like you don't you dance? Like you should be in way better shape. Oh my really? God. And I was like 12 and I'm like, Fuck. are you fucking yeah. <laughs> And like those things like stick with you, especially when they come from like someone that you trust or someone yeah. you look up to. Absolutely. It's just like, I, yeah. Like I think, I think a lot of guys, feel that uh that pressure that like they need to be a certain height or they need to be like Mm -hmm. jacked or some shit Mm -hmm. or like even just like they can't carry any any weight if they're like really a man or some shit like that and it's just like well and i mean bullshit yeah and you grew up like well you know we both grew up in the maritimes Mm -hmm. and we talked a little bit beforehand about uh you know, we kind of both feel that it's a little bit kind of behind in the regards of like having this conversation about mental health. Yeah. Um, you were in a field of dance where like in my small town, if someone danced, especially if a young man was dancing, a boy was dancing, it was like ridiculed. And it was one of those things that like wasn't, wow. wasn't, um, you know, we didn't celebrate that kind of creativity. It was mm. very kind of like, why is like a boy dancing? And I was just wondering, like, is it was it ever one of those things that growing up on the East Coast or just kind of being a young man in general, you ever kind of felt that pressure of just like, I'm going into a field that's just so like criticized in a way? Um, it was interesting because like I felt like I felt like the period where I did experience those kind of reactions was also a time when I didn't really give a fuck about dance. I didn't no. really... Mm. Like, I, I was like, I want to act. I want to be in, like, the creative industries. But dance right. was just kind of, like, something I did. It wasn't something I really saw myself pursuing in mm-hmm. any way. Um, but, yeah, like, I was, again, I was, like, 11 or 12. But, man, that was a rough, that was a rough year, apparently. Um, <laughs> I was, like, waiting to get picked up outside mm-hmm. the studio. I was kind of in, like, a, like a rough part of the island. Um, and, like, these two guys, like, decided to just, like, kind of give me shit. And they... You know, they were a little bit older than me. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, they, like, jumped me in the parking lot and just, like, fucking nailed me in the face. Oh and I, God. like, went down. And they, like, ran away, whatever. You were yeah. 11? 11 or 12. I can't, oh, my yeah. God. No, I would have yeah. yeah, been 12. I would have been 12, yeah. Um, and I remember just, like, opening my eyes and just, like, blood in my yeah. eyes. So it's just everything's red. And I'm like, am I going blind? Like, what the fuck's happening? And, like, kind of feeling Scary my shit. way across the cars back to the back to the yeah. door. And, um, yeah, like that, like that definitely left a, a big impact on me, uh, for a while. Like, it took me a while to, to kind of feel like, is there something wrong with me? Is there, am I inherently unacceptable? Am I whatever? And like, and that wasn't something I was like super vocal about, but like, it was definitely something I was working through internally. And then interestingly enough, it's like, I feel like as soon as I hit high school, everyone it was like the tides are kind of starting to turn in right. general like things like like dance was just kind of becoming more of a socially acceptable thing and like yeah. partly due to like uh like youtube dance videos were blowing up instagram right. was just starting to come out which is definitely so people were able to showcase that, that a lot easier yeah. yeah and like all of a sudden it was like oh you're dancing that's sick and like right. and and so i do think the narrative is changing at least out there i know there's there's still stigma everywhere. For sure. There's definitely parts of North America that are less accepting than others. But like I talked mm-hmm. to like, you know, I'll run into young male dancers or I'll like be teaching a class or something. I'll like talk to them. They're like, yeah, like I don't really run into that so much right. in Canada. And Which like, is great. Yeah. And like, awesome. again, I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to be like, it's fixed. Cause I'm sure there's people in communities that are still experiencing shit like that. Yeah. But 
I definitely think there's a, a tide that's coming that's a, a little more accepting, which is mm-hmm. really cool to see. Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. And that's, you know, I, I, I wish I could say that I was really surprised, but just kind of like being in that environment growing up uh, and, and seeing how like certain creative processes were received by mm-hmm. kind of like the communities at large, there's, uh, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done out East, I know in particular. Yeah. So, you know, that's one of those things that I, when I first started this podcast, even like I had friends, you know, who were reaching out and they were like, man, like I never would have said anything, but just like, because you're kind of doing this, <laughs> like this awesome. is something that I've like struggled with like my whole totally. life. I was curious because I know a lot of the times like when you're kind of putting yourself out there and you're putting yourself in this vulnerable state, yeah, yeah. some people who are kind of just inherently... Is this a question or a Shakespeare monologue? My God. I don't want to say necessarily jealous of that ability to kind of put yourself out on the line, but there can definitely be that negative kickback. Well, like for me, I think um, I think the most important... in the in, I, For me anyway, like the most important way to advocate for that change that I want to see, especially with men's mental health mm-hmm. specifically... Um, is just like helping to redefine what that idea of like masculinity even is. Like right. we have the fact that most people don't understand that there can be healthy masculinity. Like most people Absolutely. only understand the term toxic masculinity. Right. And it's just like, it's gotten to this point where people feel so unsafe around men and that like, and, and not that masculinity is specific to men. I think, Every every gender has a balance of both. Hundred percent. But I think even even that's something that people aren't thinking about a lot of. And like, I think it's so important to be like, this is this is who I am. This is how I feel. I'm gonna talk about it, and like, not not feel like ashamed of those things that are traditional at the same time. For sure. And understand that there is a blend of those qualities, and that it's not a you're this, you're that. It's not a you're with us, you're against us. But really, like one like talking the talk and shit but also like i think men are the people that need to be holding men accountable because like a lot of the women who not that they can't but like a lot of women have these fucked up experiences with men and it's like it's not safe for some of them to have that experience they don't feel comfortable they don't feel like they can have those conversations in an honest way Mm -hmm. where they aren't putting themselves at risk or putting themselves like actually in danger right and so like i think there's a huge difference between the woman who's like recovering from like some kind of abuse Mm -hmm. versus a guy who just thinks you're a fucking asshole like that's a much safer platform to be having those conversations from versus someone who's actually like putting themselves in a dangerous position to have those kind of conversations and maybe jamie can speak to that or but yeah um i think personally Thankfully, I can't. Um, I've been really, really lucky that um, I haven't experienced anything like that in the industry or in my personal life. Mm. I think, I mean, not that this ever stops anybody, but I was literally, I've been so young in the industry that either I was too naive to notice or I was just so young that it just didn't apply to me. But I definitely know enough women where that's a problem Mm -hmm. and um you're 100 percent right it needs to be men holding men accountable especially in the industry that we're in and Mm -hmm. you know we went through this huge shift you know these past couple years yeah and i think it's amazing um i think this this discourse of men being like now i'm scared to touch a woman is (laughs) fucking bullshit yeah it's like like, what do you mean you're you're afraid because there's a lawsuit or you're exactly you're gonna do something yeah yeah fucking human beings like what the fuck yeah but i i do think it all comes down to this this idea of masculinity that's also portrayed in the creative industries Mm -hmm. and you know there's this idea of masculinity and there's also this idea of femininity that i think is can be 
toxic in a sense sure. also yep. um you know i know girls who have more so of a masculine figure and they will never be cast as leading ladies. Like, they just cannot get in the room for stuff like that. Even myself, like, I've had my agent tell me, you know, you're a supporting character. Hmm. Like, you are good for supporting roles. And, like, it's not coming from a malicious place. It's coming from the fact that the industry doesn't want somebody who's either taller or skinny. I don't know what it is. Don't you think? No, it's okay. It's just, yeah, like, there are these certain, I guess, stereotypes that exist and people in film specifically i find sometimes are extremely narrow-minded and you literally if you can't lay it out in front of them physically for them to see like mm. i've had i've lost rules because they couldn't envision my hair being straight and if you know me i have very curly hair mm-hmm. and like all you got to do is pick up a blow dryer my man yeah, like, it's, <laughs> it's not, it's not, you have a whole hair services yeah, department right? what do you mean so, you can't see me like that it's just this really really bizarre like everybody's kind of set in their own ways mm-hmm. um but i i do feel there is this wave that's already here and totally. hopefully getting bigger of like there doesn't have to be confines of the kinds of roles that you're playing or who you are mm-hmm. and you know we should just be cast on talent rather mm-hmm. than looks um, I feel like this kind of went away from what you were saying before. I hate riding the waves. <laughs> I'll ride in the waves. It all ties in, right? It all ties in. Yeah, I, I just feel like, you know, I personally have had so many self-esteem issues based on the fact that I don't look the norm. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you know me, it's not like I'm some amphibious creature. I was say, like, that's so fucked up. Yeah, just like walking down you know? the street. If, you, if you're like you're Ryerson campus yeah, like, they're like pick out someone who doesn't feel like they fit in no one would no, ever be I know, like that Jamie girl there's just something kind of <laughs> off about like I don't know what it's it is even, it's even to give you like a really kind of for lack of a better word fucked up example like a movie I did three or four years ago now um I was cast as the fat best friend. That was my role. And I'm, you know, for people who don't know me in real life, I'm can five foot one. Like, can we just take <laughs> in, why is that a, yeah. why is that a character? Why yeah. is that like, to tell this story, it's, it's integral it's, to yeah, this story. That, and like, sure, there are some stories where maybe, like there are definitely some stories that that are relevant, relevant details to the character yep. and what they're trying to communicate. Absolutely. But like, Ah, nine times out of ten yeah not only is that language very harmful to to use but it it certainly if somebody were to look at me and be like that's the girl they cast as the fat best friend like i'm five foot one and i'm a size two i'm tiny in compare like i'm i'm really small just i've always been small and Mm -hmm. i think i'm just a little bit more on the curvy side so for for the production they were like perfect and maybe they decided to adjust the role based on me i don't know but those are the kind of harmful stigmas attached to roles and like after i got that role i was I, I remember thinking to myself, and I was, what, 15 at the... Yeah, I was 15 Crazy. at this time. Not only... They also made me cut all my hair off. So immediately, I was Oof. like, oh, shit. Like, this is... I'm not used to being in this body. Like, this yeah. is not the kind of image I'm used to having. I'm, like, a high school student. You're, like, at your most vulnerable. I was going to say, like, if someone in yeah. high school had came to me and said, like, hey, I want you to, like, lose 20 pounds and, like, yeah. shave your head. Buddy, you were so skinny, 20 pounds in high school, you would have just floated away. I said, what? So now I'm like, okay, yeah. so number one... Like, yeah, number one, I have short hair, which I wasn't... Co- there's nothing wrong with that. I just, for, personally, for myself, wasn't comfortable with yeah. that. Yeah. And now they're calling me, like, the, the curvier best friend. And it's like, that's that's a totally fine thing to say, but that's just not who I am. So what is that telling girls who are bigger than me, right? Like, what is what kind of message is that putting out there? I think it's just, I just think anything that emphasizes the importance of a specific look is bullshit. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if they're, like, 
like I know actors who are bigger that are like, yeah, that's my hit, and like yeah. I, I want to lose weight, but like this is where my work is, and, and that's this amazing. is what they're casting you, like, for. So it. like I don't want to, but they're but it's like yes, own it, but also they're like I want to make this change in my life, and right. I feel trapped. Fair. Yeah. And like I just I just think again it's getting back to like who like who's the character what's the what kind of person are you and like the emphasis on like humanity versus like this is what you look like cool that's what we need it's just yeah. like I don't know I think and that's the messed up part of the industry for sure yeah. and you see these trends where it's like they're they're celebrating one body type and it's just like teeter tottering on yeah. different imbalances instead yep. of just like finding actual acceptance of people mm-hmm. yeah. coming in all 100%. all sizes you know do you guys ever kind of feel as young creatives in this industry do you guys ever feel like somewhat of a responsibility of kind of like bringing in this next wave of being accepted like accepting of who you are and kind of this you know creativity that's completely outside of just what you look Absolutely. like physically yeah. like, is this something that you guys consciously think about yes for sure yeah, especially like i do writing on the side as well mm-hmm. and um all my stories I found not even not even on purpose, but are from the perspective of a, a young woman because mm-hmm. I am a young woman. Oh, it's easy to you know write <laughs> and what you know. Right? Yeah, you yeah. write what you know, and it's not something I ever thought about. But you know, then I I look at kind of what's been coming out, and obviously it's much better now. But it's like, wow, these stories are are important to be told, and like I want to keep writing these stories. I don't yeah. want to change my perspective. I don't want to change. You know, I don't want to be writing from a male perspective because number one, I don't understand that. Yeah, sure. And number two, like, you know, as a young writer as, and as a young artist, there's only a handful of women I've been able to find and look up to and be like, that's kind of who I want to be. And, right. and that's the kind of work I want to be putting out. Mm-hmm. So there is this immense pressure, I think, on our generation to be creating work that accepts everybody right. and shows that, um, you know, it is about the talent. It doesn't matter who you are. So I think it's both good and bad because personally, like I've gone through moments where I'm like, holy shit, this is more than I can handle. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can be this kind of change maker. Like, Mm -hmm. I just want to make art without thinking that it has to change the world in a sense. You know what I mean? Like, it can be a lot sometimes. But I also think we're put in this unique position that we kind of have to take advantage of. Yeah, I I, uh, completely agree. And I think think you have a responsibility in, like, you know, there's a whole argument, like, whether you, there really is a call to arms or not and whether people need to feel that. And, like, everyone is obviously free to make their own decision but like personally i feel it is if you if you're lucky enough to have a platform of any size like you if people are listening you better fucking say something worth hearing you know what i mean and like i one thing i really respect about jamie is like i see her posts and i see like the way that she even if it maybe it's not a post focused on like a specific issue the language that she's using just mm-hmm. to communicate on a daily yeah. basis is very Thank aware you. and it's very connected and it's about lifting people up and it's and it's acknowledging the things that need to be uh shifted in, mm-hmm. in culture i think like art is like i think art does a lot of beautiful things i think yeah. it can just like entertain i think it can distract and I, and I think like what you're saying like it doesn't have to be this deep thing yeah. but i think one thing as a tool in society and culture that is so fucking beautiful about art and what I love about art across the board is like you can make change accessible. You can take these fucking huge complicated ideas. You can take these what ifs. You can take these unexplored potentials and present them in a way that people can get inside of and people can feel what that feels like and people can um, actually dare to consider a better reality or a different reality or ponder how fucked up the way that we're headed is like there's it's this thing that is really 
powerful when you use it intentionally and right. sometimes when you use it unintentionally. Yeah. But um, I, I personally feel a huge responsibility to um, to to use that mm-hmm. to to benefit the world that we live in through the gifts that we're lucky enough to have. And 100%. and that might not be every single project, but it's definitely part of the lens that I put on the industry and part of the lens I put on my work. And it also is a huge part of like who I decide to support and like. Um, I'm like, is this work that is providing something in this world or is this work that is providing this person their, like, ego boost for the right. day? You know what I mean? Like, I just think the world is undeniably and inexplicably interconnected in such an intense way. Every single thing that you put into it should be done consciously. And uh, I think if you call yourself a creative you're putting shit out all the time. Yeah. And that means you yeah. have that much more work and that much more consideration yeah. every single time you do that, right? Mm-hmm. I think you summed it up so perfectly. Yeah. And thank you for, really the, well for the kind words. I really appreciate yeah. that. Um, <laughs> I think when it comes to my, my Instagram, um, that is definitely something I do tend to be more conscious of. I mean, I have this small but mm-hmm. mighty following that, I mean, they absorb everything that you say. And 100%. if you look at my demographics, it's, it's young girls. That's what it is. Yep. And I think... Um, sometimes when it comes to these social media platforms, we can lose that transparency and that authenticity. And when I started doing this professionally, I guess you could say, or started making money from it and my followers started growing, it was so important for me that my followers could log on and what they see is what they get. And obviously I'm not going to post everything. There are (laughs) some things for privacy reasons that I'm, I'm keeping (laughs) that to myself. Personal life is a big, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there needs to be that, that balance also. Like I, I personally hate having a camera in my face 24 seven. It's yeah. what I do for work. I don't want to do it in my off time too. For but, sure. but at the same time, I'm, I've chosen to share my life, whether it be through film, you know, um, in a fictitious way or through Instagram and Twitter and whatever in, um, a non-fictitious way and who I really am as a person. And so for me, I just, I do feel this big responsibility of, especially when I'm working with brands, does this align with my personal values? I'm not personally going to promote something I wouldn't use myself. And I think people get this convoluted message that you'll just put shit out there if you're getting paid for it. And it's not true. Like, listen, it's really not true. I've had brands reach out to me and I'll tell my manager, no, Mm. I I don't, you know, it's a great product, but I personally don't feel comfortable promoting that to my followers. You know, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm preaching one thing. I'm not going to go turn around and, you know, like I preach health and wellness a lot of the time. And yeah. I remember I had a fast food, like, I'm not going to say what it was, but mm-hmm. it was like a, a fast food thing that you could buy at the supermarket, reach out to me and want a partner. And I was like, on one hand, yeah, it's money and I need yeah. to put myself through yeah. school. But on the other hand, that I, it just doesn't align with who I am. Yeah. I personally wouldn't yeah. eat that. I think it's fucking disgusting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it's, it's <laughs> not like, if I'm being honest, like it's not something I would ever put in my mouth. So why would I try and pander that to my audience? You sure. know, I, I, I get so pissed off when I look at people like, like Kim Kardashian who's like one of the biggest fucking followings online. And it's like, here's these appetite suppressing lollipops yeah. and here's this yeah. like yeah. detox I think there's tea a certain, and I'm like I think the there's f- a certain media literacy that our generation has 100%. that the older generation doesn't have is even Kim Kardashian's generation like yeah, I would agree. you know I think she's she's cool in a lot of the things that she does but I would agree that sometimes a few of the endorsements are a bit tasteless considering yeah. who she's 
you know, selling it to. But mm-hmm. I think our generation, since we grew up with Instagram, we can see through the bullshit a well, lot of the time. And we understand yeah. the intricacies of it more so. And we understand that the impact of it. Because yeah. there's been times where I'm like, I cannot log on to this app one more time. Because I am just so overwhelmed and I feel so bad about myself. And mm-hmm. I think there was a point in time where I was like, okay... I'm in control of what I see on my social media platforms. Stopping a baby, go through and unfollow the people that you don't want to see their content. And I think that was a huge turning point for me because I was like, if this person's making me feel bad about myself, that's also something that needs to be worked out in therapy. But at the same time, I don't need to be seeing it every day and being reminded that I'm lacking in something. Well, I'm like kind of like you touched on this, but I don't understand how in 2019 there isn't a mandatory uh, media literacy like component to just our public school curriculum there is a little bit but it's not in depth and because i remember no, learning yeah. the term media literacy I in elementary did not. school <laughs> I, mean, I, I also we we know that yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like toronto i think was maybe a little bit ahead of like the maritimes and in, in that sense and like yeah, my yeah, teachers yeah. were pretty good about media literacy but it was always like how can you tell this article is not real as opposed to how can you distinguish this fine line on instagram granted when we were growing up instagram wasn't really a thing so they didn't they didn't need to be teaching that but nowadays 100 percent, i look at like i have a little brother and a little sister and especially my little sister who's in grade nine now Mm -hmm. like even just she'll be like oh i I, like why don't i look like that or why can't i pull off something like this girl and i think also this was a big problem for me is like we're looking up to people who are at a different stage in life than we are and this was a huge learning experience for me even in the film industry i was just about to say like especially with what you guys do that comparison and stuff it's awful because i'm i'm you know what 15 16 at this point and i'm like why am i not at a point in my career as this as this 29 year old woman and it's like because i yeah i am a high school student I do not know how to drive yet. Um, I do not need to be at the same level as, I don't know, Anne Hathaway. Like, there's just these crazy comparisons. I remember, you know, feeling so bad about myself, even with girls three or four years older than me. And every year in this industry, I think you learn and grow so much, even as a person, Mm. you know, during such formative years, too. Like, because like I said, I did grow up in this industry. Mm. Every milestone that I had was on a set or at an audition Mm, or you know I was involved in in film while I was going through these really big formative years and that really shapes you mentally as well and it shapes your outlook on things and so I grew up a a lot with this mentality that like I should be further along than I am and I still struggle with that Mm. and my parents and even my boyfriend they're like He's not in film. He like he's the most uncreative person you'll ever meet. <laughs> I love Shout him to Aiden. death. Yeah, I I love that boy to death. <laughs> but he's he's a business student. His mind just works differently. Like we're right very brain, left brain. Clinic. It's yeah, he's very yeah. practical, yeah. and I've got my head in the fucking clouds yeah, half the time. Yeah. And all of them, like they're my greatest support system. Him and my parents, and you know, obviously my best friends too. But. All of them specifically say to me, like, when I feel I'm running out of time, that's, like, one of my biggest things. I'm like, mm-hmm. I should have accomplished this by this age, and, right. and I need right. to get going. Like, there's yeah. this rush. They're like, Jamie, you're 20 years old. And mm-hmm. I think because I not reached success, but, like, I experienced a little bit of career achievement, yeah. you know, as a young child. I always feel like I need to be striving for more. And my parents are like, we're 15. We don't know what the fuck we want to do with yeah. our lives still. Yeah. You're 20 yeah. and you already have a career. Like, mm-hmm. you have so much time. And in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm 20. I am old as shit. Yeah. Like, I, think, <laughs> I think that a lot of creatives kind of fall into that. Because, I mean, yeah. like, I've had this podcast for, like, 10 weeks. And even after just, like, t- such a small, like, minuscule sample size, I'm like, God, I should be 
I should be doing more. You know what yeah. I mean? I should, yeah. doing, I should be doing bigger yeah. things. Like, why hasn't this done this? Why exactly. hasn't this done that? Well, it's like, it doesn't matter what kind of creative. Like, I feel like that's a very exactly. like, underlying theme of creative. Oh, it's, it's huge. Yeah. It's huge because... Sorry. No, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, like, it also diminishes every achievement because 100%. it's like, okay, good. I got to this point. Now what's next? What's next? Oh, yes. Yeah. And I think that's such an unhealthy mentality to have, especially when you're in an industry where it's kind of your success is self-reliant on how hard you work mm-hmm. because it's not like you have a boss saying, oh, well, if you work this hard, you're going to get this promotion and that means you're mm-hmm. successful. Like, if we work harder, we hopefully are more successful. So it's mm-hmm. it's all that pressure put on us and we don't, I think allow ourselves the space to one fail yep. and to two say you know what i don't have to have this figured out right now yeah well like one thing that i've been thinking about a lot lately and it's it's a fairly new thought so maybe you'll come back to me in like three months and i'll be like yeah i don't know what the fuck i was thinking <laughs> but um it feels to me what's what's kind of fucked up in in how we view careers in creative careers specifically is like when you succeed okay when you're when you're like hustling and you're not yeah. you're not in the in the show that you want to be in or you're whatever you're not you're in between jobs and you're just like busting your ass and you're like looking at these people and you're like if i if i just work hard enough i will will get that and like you've just said there's no guarantee of that but what i've been starting to like wonder is just like do we place this false sense of superiority on people who are at that moment in or booked or whatever cuz it's like are they really like Obviously, you need to work hard. That yeah. is an uh, that you, there is no for there's sure. no place in this industry for people who are not going to fucking yeah. work their ass off. But there's a lot of people who work their ass off that aren't working all the time or yeah. are between jobs or in like a huge dry spell of whatever. And it's like I feel like when you're in that place, it's so easy to go. What are they doing that I'm not instead right. of being like <laughs> I'm doing everything right. And it's just not my time right now. Yeah. And I just got to, like, know – I got to believe in what I'm doing. I got to keep doing the work, and I got to trust that that's going to turn around instead of being like, okay, what am I doing wrong? What are they doing? Okay, maybe if I try to be more like this person. Okay, this yeah. is really – oh, they took that class. Oh, and it's like, yeah, be curious. Seek growth, but, like, don't do it on a – like, on this, like, guide of they're successful and I'm not because in, like, three months it could be completely opposite. You could mm-hmm. – you look at people like Steve Carell, who's like a household name and didn't really book a huge gig till he was in his forties. Yeah, like Martin, uh, not Martin, Morgan Freeman. Not uh, yeah. Anyway, um, like he, yeah, like yeah. he had a pretty late start to his career yeah. too. And it's like yeah. he, again, it's like no one knows the timeline you're on, including yourself. And like, if you can get up and be happy with what you're learning and what you're contributing to the world, like. I just feel like you need to trust that that's going to lead you to the the desires that are inherently placed in yeah. you. Like, well, it's like no you're course. sure. Like, trust the process, hundred percent. Right? You yeah, got to trust 100%. the process, and like, I think that's the biggest tool for me in maintaining my mental health and my relationship with the industry is just like having that faith that like things will be okay, mm-hmm. and having that patience of doesn't matter who's seeing the work as long as i'm if i can get up every day and like live a life that i'm happy with that mm. i feel i'm growing and i'm purpose getting right? yeah made with purpose Made with purpose. It, yeah you gotta you gotta if you can't be happy in and outside of the work then i mm-hmm. don't know if you should pursue a career in this and that right. doesn't mean because that does not mean that you have to already have that going into it but i think that needs to be a goal that anyone who is seeking a creative career needs to be like 
I can't just focus on being successful when I'm on the job. I need to focus on what life am I building that when I'm working or not working, I am happy and fulfilled because it seems to me like looking at the, the, the people in the generations ahead of us and above us, it's like the people who've made it aren't necessarily the hardest workers. They aren't necessarily the most talented. They all have talent. They all work hard. But they're the ones who have figured out how to be happy and how to be sustainable in their work without burning out or burning out or yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that's such a great sentiment to leave on today, because when you can find this kind of comfort zone outside of your comfort zone, comfort zone outside of your comfort zone is going to be on a Hallmark card in a month. I guarantee it where you're able to kind of grow as an individual, you're able to push yourself each and every day, but it's this healthy growth, it's this natural growth. I think that that's just so huge, especially for creative work, and it obviously sounds like it's been a huge part of your lives as well. Uh, Guys, I want to thank you guys so much for coming in, taking the time to sit down, uh, and sharing your unique insight. I know it means so much to my listeners, so thank you guys again. Thanks for having us, man. Thanks so much for having us on. And that's going to do it for the episode for this week, guys. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoyed what Thomas and Jamie had to say. Honestly, the only downside is that you were still in it. And inspired by Thomas and Jamie, the challenge for this week is I want you guys to get out there and do something creative, uh, whether that's painting or drawing or writing or acting. At some capacity this week, get out there and just try something creative. Uh, And while you're doing it, think about the emotions. Think about the feelings that you get while you're doing this creative pursuit. I know creativity has been a huge part um, of my own personal journey uh, through mental health and I know that it can help a lot of men in similar situations so I can't recommend it enough this week just go out there and uh, you know try something new and just think about how you feel while you're doing it be very mindful of your body also one last thing guys before we go up on the Life's a Rec podcast Instagram account which is at Life's a Rec podcast we are officially dropping within the next hour we are officially going to be dropping a contest with our sponsor of last week's episode Daydream for a free sampler six pack of Canada's first hemp infused sparkling water so all you have to do to enter the contest is go to the at Life's a Rec podcast Instagram account. Make sure to be following the Life's a Rec podcast Instagram account and Daydream as well. And then all you have to do is leave a funny caption on a picture that's going to be posted in association with Daydream. We're going to leave the contest up for a week. So until next Friday and the funniest caption wins. It's literally as easy as that. So make sure you go check that out, guys. We're really excited about this sponsor. So make sure to uh, go show it some love. And as I'm sitting here just kind of um, thinking about, you know, the contest and everything, I just got to... Oh, man. Um, God, you know what? Life's a wreck. So that was the podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.